Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And welcome to Secure the Insecure, the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. My guest this week can be described as a people person with documentaries about literally more or less anything whether it's about body image, whether it's about parenting, whether it's about sex or money or, or dating or drinking or piercings, everything she has covered because she is the pioneer when it comes to being a true people person, a TV presenter, a radio presenter, a campaigner, and my friend. I'm delighted to say joining me this week on Security Insecure is the incredible Sherry Healy. Hello, Sherry. Johnny, finally. I feel like this has been in the stars for a long time. It's a joy to be hanging out with you digitally anyway. It's a shame we're not in person, but, you know, doing it through Zoom, at least we're kind of connected. And I think that's been that <laughs> this year we've used Zoom as this connectedness, and yet we still feel so distant, yet we're so close. Yet back in the day, sitting on MSN with the cameras on, it was like normal. I know. It's been a real mind bender, I think, in all ways. Having to be at home with your family so much, not seeing your lovely people who I've realised seeing my friends, talking to my friends is such a massive part of my mental health. They make me laugh. They laugh at my crap jokes. Seeing people at work, getting affirmation, all of the energy that you gather and then you come back home. I have to say it's my year has felt a little bit like a helium balloon slowly losing its float and just kind of gradually sinking down to the floor. Um, I just, I've loved it. I've loved seeing people again and going out and feeling their energy. I feel like I'm gradually coming back to life. This is the problem though, because I've been checking my diary and I'm booked up for two months now and it's yeah. scaring me and it's me scaring too. me financially. And I'm like, okay, well, hold on. I need to try in my head and work, go, hold on a minute. I didn't spend the money on the transport over the past year. I didn't spend all the money going out over the past year. So financially, it's okay. Then I'm like, but now I want to see you, you and you, but I've not got any time now. And I'm like, what? My, my head doesn't know how to protect you. And go, right, this is the plan. We will book a plan in for late August now. Absolutely fine. But I don't understand what's going on. The other day, someone said to me, oh my gosh, we must, we must do this and this. You send me some dates. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I love you, but I'm getting anxiety. I mean, the great thing about getting older, Johnny, is we learn all these wonderful things like boundaries. And I feel so grown up when I set my boundaries. And I said, I'm not going to send you dates and I'm not going to book anything in because it's got a bit crazy. The worst thing you can send me at the moment is a WhatsApp with, oh my God, we must hang out. When can we hang out? Send me dates. It's like it's too much. I know that the doors have now opened. We're allowed to see each other. But slowly, slowly, catch your monkey. Let everyone catch their breath. And it's not, it's not for other people to know what my boundaries are. But I... I'm the same. I've started to get calendar anxiety. So much is stuffed into every single day. The next weekends, pretty much the Friday, the Saturday and the Sunday, there's something coming up for the next four weekends. There really isn't any breathing space. Work is starting to pick up. You're taking the kids to school, picking them up. And I look at my door, I'm like, where, where is there any time for spontaneity? There isn't. 
I'm, I'm happy, don't get me wrong, I know it's a really sport thing to say, so I'm glad that I have got friends to see and I've got uh, availability to see them, but enough. Well, this is a problem. And like you said, it's all about the boundaries. And I link boundaries to the idea of love languages, which we mm. all know what they are, the five love languages. Yeah. And so people need to know your boundaries to know how to relate to you, because otherwise it's very easy for you now to fall out with friends because you go, well, why can't you see me? Like, why have you got plans? Why can't you put me in for the 1st of August then? Like, why are you not thinking of me as much as I'm thinking of you? Yes. So what's your love language? My love language is words of affirmation and physical touch. You? Um, definitely physical touch, 100%. My poor boyfriend, every time I sit next to him, I'm like, stroke me, touch me, stroke <laughs> my head, stroke my hair. Like a bloody cat. Like axe. Action. So doing the bins. Um, if you see a big pile of laundry on the bottom of the stairs, take it upstairs. It's, it's helping me with life. The hottest thing my boyfriend can do is load the dishwasher. <laughs> but you've had to tell him that and he's had to learn that. So when you've got friends yes. who are going, why can't you see me? And you're saying, I need time for myself and I can't take this. There's going to be that clash because you're not on the same page of love languages. Exactly. And I don't think I've ever had to do this before because... I was so in the flow of seeing people. You know, I know that my friend Cara, I go out for dinner with her once every three months. I love her. So once every three months, I'll naturally be like, oh, it's time to see Cara again. I feel so guilty if I haven't given people my time, if I haven't invested in people. So I've got this kind of slight kind of running anxiety at the moment that I'm a terrible friend and I haven't seen anyone. I keep forgetting that we haven't been allowed. And I have to keep reminding myself Take it slowly. If I don't see these people for another six months, it's all right because there's a massive backlog. But it's reminding us, I think it's always reminding ourselves that we, we really only just have just started to come out of the pandemic. We don't need to see everyone right now. But it's really interesting because you're so secure with your friendships. And I know that comes with maturity and with age, but you've not said anything about the toxicality around friends. We've all had friends in our lives oh, yeah. during the pandemic we've gone there's a reason we drifted because look we haven't really got an excuse to have not seen someone this year we could have gone on a walk we could have done something we could have had a phone call if you've not spoken yes. to someone for six months a year there's a reason behind that i think i took this year as a bit of an excuse to recalibrate also my my boyfriend's got quite bad asthma so i was shielding but you're right i could have gone for walks um, there's also a bit of me that's a bit lazy and that's where probably that guilt comes from because there is an element of me saying I'm not going to do that but I hate being cold so going for a walk by the river is just miserable that's, no but I did that on my own no these are all bad excuses Johnny you absolutely nailed it on the head I but also my friends I've been friends with my friends since I was 10 they're really long old friendships and I I think yeah there's a security there some of the recent friendships that are not healthy have, have gone. I think that is definitely something that I've been doing during the lockdown is if I haven't spoken to someone on the phone, because I speak to all my friends on the phone, you know, during lockdown, I spoke to them regularly. But if I haven't wanted to speak to someone on the phone, it's probably an indication of how much they bring to my life or how much I bring to theirs. And this is really interesting. I want to pick up on something you just said as a throwaway comment. You went for a walk alone at the river. So if you, and we're going to come to manifestation in a bit, we're going to come around to the working on ourselves, our own self-development, but do you think over the past year, especially, but in general as well, you've learned to love yourself a bit more and have that time where you're just doing you and going, I'm going to go on an adventure alone. I don't need to bring my boyfriend. I don't need to bring my child with me. I don't need to bring a friend with me. I can just do me and I'm not going to get judged for it by myself or anyone else. I really enjoy my own company, not because I'm a narcissist, but because I love how calm it is. I'm a real, as you said in your in love, lovely introduction, I'm a massive people person. I thrive off other people. I love other people. I missed seeing other people and feeling their energy, being in a crowded place, being, feeling everyone's joy. I really feed off that. But to counter that, I have to have time on my own. I have to be completely calm. Because I pick up on other people's energies so acutely, I'm a highly sensitive person. I find it very relaxing to not be with other people. And I mean like one-on-one. -on -one. I like to see people around me and not have to really engage with them because I pick up on people's energies and that can be quite exhausting. 
So I have to have a bit of a balance in my life. So I do spend quite a lot of time on my own. I take myself out for lunch. I read the paper. I read a book. I feel really calm. My energy is really neutral. That for me is rest. I can be with lots of people, but I have to just be not engaging. So I, the one thing I really did enjoy in lockdown was how much peace there was and how much calm there was. There's nothing, there's nothing I enjoy more than going to the river and seeing the ducks. I think that's why I don't want to go with somebody because that's really my quiet time. And even if someone is just a delight, even if someone is the best company in the world, you're still feeling their energy, you're giving your energy. And that is just essential to me. But in the absolute yin and yang balance, I also have to have total, I have to remove myself totally from feeling other people's feelings even if it's great feelings there has to be a balance otherwise that's where burnout happens there were a couple of years a while ago where I worked so much and I'm so grateful for that work I'm never not grateful for work and to do something I find really interesting but I didn't stop I was doing two projects in America one was an advert but it was an advert that I kept on having to go out and do lots of PR for so I was working with this brand the other was a documentary and a um, bit like catfish, that kind of vibe. And then over here, I was doing loads of stuff. I was with people all day long. And in the evenings, I'd come home and be with my kids. I would fall into bed. And when, I, when that stopped, I realized, because this, this thing in America stopped, and I said, I, don't, I can't cope with international stuff. <laughs> Not that they were like banging down my door or anything. But in terms of how much time I spent in Heathrow, sounds really glamorous, but there's a hell of a lot of time with people you don't know, you know, doing that icebreaker chat or sitting on your own in Heathrow security. I just couldn't do it anymore. Anyway, I definitely, looking back now, I definitely had burnout. And I don't want, and I didn't work for a, lot, a couple of months because I just couldn't, I just couldn't physically do it. And I'm now really conscious of that. I'm now really conscious of, one of the great things about getting older is you do learn about yourself. You learn about things like burnout. You learn about where your boundaries are. You learn how to say to people, I can't do that because I know that I'm going to need the whole weekend off. Whatever it is, it's a glorious thing. I mean, there's this idea that when you get older, especially as a woman, when you get older, you get, you're, you know, you, you're, you're not valued. You're not special. You're not, I am, I turned 40 in December and I am happier and feel better than I've ever felt. Even though I'm 40 and aren't we supposed to all be shriveling into a pile of dust? This is really interesting because you were going to America, not that you were chasing fame, it's just you were so good at what you do that you had to become an international star. So how <laughs> does fame play into this then? Because especially mm, in, again, thinking about the past year, and I hate that we have to reflect on the year, but I think this year has been so groundbreaking that you kind of can't not, but your fame has kind of, not yours, but I'm talking general, fame has disappeared. We've had no red carpets this year. We've yeah. had no packed photos, no having to prove yourself. If you look at the Love Island cast from 2020, who went to South Africa, did the series, came out, then the pandemic hit, they had no chance to be this reality star that they thought they were going to be. And so we oh. all have to reset. What does it mean to be famous? We're not going out with 10 people. I mean, look, you've never done this um, where you've had 10 people around you. But a lot of people will come to my work with 10 people around them and they need to feel needed and wanted and they've got a makeup person and they've got someone who's come for a jolly day out. Whereas now it's all on Zoom. You're now effectively doing work. So how have you yeah. dealt with that fame cycle pre-pandemic when you're going to America, burning out and then now? It's such an interesting question, Johnny. I think it's such an interesting... I think fame and celebrity culture is so interesting. Listen, as human beings, we've always wanted to worship it's in our bones to worship from the dawn of time we found a figure a rock a, a a sun god zeus anything we we have it in our bodies to worship things and we are increasingly we're in a secular society we don't lot, lots of people don't have faith and i i'm not criticizing that because we are now free to decide for what we want i actually do believe in god it's a very it's just, I don't, I can't explain it. I don't know why, but I do. It's absolutely, it's absolutely real to me. I believe in an external force. So I channel a lot of my gratefulness. Um, and what I think about a lot is, is spiritual stuff and, and godly stuff. I'm not, I don't have a religion. I'm not tied to religion. So that's where a lot of my 
worship muscle gets exercised. I think that we have these celebrities because we love, we just love to praise things and we love to worship things. And so we get obsessed with these people. Whereas the reality is that they are no different to anyone. They're not special human, but they're not these ex extra terrestrial beings. They're just human beings. And when they do something, it gets put out on radio, gets put on a television, gets put out on a movie. And we become a bit starstruck with them. And I, I don't want to be famous. I want the work and I want the money <laughs> because that's freedom. Money gives you choice. It makes you independent. It means that you can help other people. It means that you can give other people jobs. But when it comes to fame, the idea of not being able to walk down the road or not being able to go to Sainsbury's without people staring and whispering and making up stories about me, I, nothing about that appeals to me. Nothing about it. I go, I, um, I've been out with Greg Wallace, who I co-present um, with Ruth um, inside the factory. And you, he, can't, he can't really go out. He's so famous that there are queues of people trying to talk to him, get his autograph, take a photo with him. People will take sneaky photos with him, of him, be whispering about him. It's really, really awful. And I think for some people, they want that and they want the attention. I don't. I would like to be successful. And I'd like to do cool, interesting projects. But I don't really want people whispering about me when I go into a restaurant. I, and I, I don't know if I've always felt like that. I think when I first started my job, I think the idea of fame was really exciting. The idea of being famous was really, really exciting, really seductive. And that was something I kind of wanted to do. I once got a PR person. My, my agent was like, oh, do you want a PR agent? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. They can like make me famous. And we went to this lingerie launch. And I'm standing there with this guy he's trying to get me into all these events and he's like oh you should go and, you should go and talk to that 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 gang they're, they're really famous and I was like is this what it is is this what happens he's like yeah so basically you just you need to make friends with famous people you need to go to these events you need to be seen out you need to have your photograph taken and I was like I don't think I can do this I don't think I can do this I don't want to do this I don't I don't think I can. Now, I'm sure lots of people get famous other ways, but there is actually a method that you can use. I just couldn't do it. It doesn't make me a better or a worse person. I just couldn't. I just didn't want to do it. Anyway, yes, it's a very long-winded description of saying that as I've got older, I've realised that I don't want people whispering about me and I don't want people going through my bins. I want to do my job, but I don't want people going through my bins. It's, it's, I mean, I look at poor Caroline. You know, she... I know she had difficulties and I know she, there was lots going on behind the scenes. But, you know, what happened to her? The, the media pushed her over the edge. She was already in a delicate state and that just was, that was the final straw. And as a very sensitive person, I don't, I don't think it would be healthy for me. And the problem is now with these new wave of reality stars is they're pushed to get these publicists, these PRs, and there's a difference. And for those that are listening that don't know how the industry works, you have an agent and the agent will take commission off the work you do. So they'll get you the work and they will take a cut of it. Then you've got publicists and PRs and PRs, you pay for the PR. So you're paying to attend these events. You're paying for the setup pap shots. You're paying for the coverage in the newspapers. And so you're chasing that fame and you're chasing it to that detriment that you're now just giving away your money basically for free to be able to attend an event that technically you can find out a contact online and go to for free. Yet we're so immersed into, we have to be famous and we have to be seen and why are we not getting the press coverage? And then you start saying Google alerts for yourself and you start Googling yourself <laughs> and they go, why are the papers? But then you Google yourself and you go, why are they talking about me? Oh my God. And the thing is, it's a double-edged sword, Johnny. You cannot have, if they lift you up, and they tell, and, and then they make you into, look at Cheryl Cole, they, she was a national treasure. Ah, oh, divine beauty. I tell you, the higher they lift you, the further they drop you. Correct. My brother is a musician and he's very, hates doing PR. He keeps himself, he's really talented, does electronic, but he's, he said to me, he goes, if you're cool, you can become uncool and then you're over. So he just stays making music. The people who love him, love him. They will never stop loving him. 
he stays out of the press. And I so understand that. People will lift you up so high, but then they'll go into your closet and they'll find a skeleton and they will tear you down. Now, if you're someone who can cope with that, fine. But I think it's really important that people go into it with their eyes open, that they will absolutely, what goes up must come down and there is no exception to the rule. None. I do not know a single celebrity who has not had this whirlwind of PR and their picture being taken and there's a real kind of excitement around them and they haven't eventually been torn into shreds. As a sensitive person who overthinks and who minds about things, I don't know if I could cope with that. Could you? Being torn apart in the papers. No, and this is why, although for years I wanted to be famous, I wanted to be known for my journalism, um, my celebrity interviews, I went, I can't, I would never be able to deal with that because even one, when I did a TV programme once and I had one person troll me, that was enough to go, I'll remember that comment and I still do. You're a people person. If it's okay to talk about Stacey Julius Wells, a people person. She oh my God, strictly. that's so, I was just about to mention her. Johnny, what are you going to say? because we're on so the same wavelength. We're on the exact same wavelength. That's amazing. I was well, just about to say. So Stacey, again, people person, again, documentary maker, exactly the same as you. You're both making these documentaries. You're not rivals, are you? You're doing Oh, no, I love her. No, I adore but her. But then she goes on Strictly. Now, if you go on Strictly and you do well, you will get a bit of career progression within the BBC. So she's starting to do five live shows. She's doing podcasts. She's doing game shows on the BBC. She's a known person. She's trusted as a presenter, as well as a documentary maker. That's very good for her career. Then you get her personal life and you get what happened with her and Kevin Clifton. Now, rather than celebrating two people have found love on the dance and look how amazing this is, you know, in circumstances you wouldn't ever put them together, they're put together, they come in love, the media scrutinise it. And so everything she's worked so hard for and everything she's doing so successful in, straight away, her relationship is the focus. Every time you think of Stacey Dooley, you think of her right. and Kevin Clifton. Then she has to get rid of her Twitter account because it's got to that point, she can't promote what work she's doing because every single time she tweets, she's just going to get a barrage of trolls. And that's the world that we're now living in. And I actually think she's done it quite well, considering how you know, meteoric it's been. You know, She was great before, but after Strictly, it's just taken a new... There's just a new energy around her. And I'm, I'm really happy for her because she's an absolute sweetie pie. But, and she's really good at her job. But she has kept a pretty low profile, I would say as far as you can, that she hasn't been coming out of clubs at two in the morning. She hasn't been doing everything thrown at her. I think she mentions her relationship a little bit on Twitter, but she does keep it to kind of a minimum. I mean, I try and keep my chat about my relationship to a minimum, but I mean, it's my, my boyfriend's a big part of my life, so I do talk about him a bit, but I would say Stacey has kept her head down as much as she can without it being weird. Um, you know, there's there's only so much that people can gossip about her because she doesn't really feed she doesn't really feed the beast. I mean, what stories are there of her and Kevin? I mean, she famously well not fa famously she said the other day, we're really boring. We sit on the sofa, and I can imagine that she works really hard. She's really focused on her job. I imagine that her and Kevin have a gorgeous, lovely, cozy time together. I don't think that there's. They've, they've, they've got work and then they've got their relationship and I don't know I think she's doing it well because she's considering obviously that they had the strictly relationship there's not a lot to write about her in terms of scandal is there no and I think that's the problem is that if there's no scandal oh, we yeah. want a scandal <laughs> and so therefore we'll make up a scandal and this is the problem of the British press a lot of the time is that they're creating those news stories and fueling those insecurities and telling someone that they've said something when they haven't really done it. They've kind of been a bit misquoted and it's been yeah. able to be turned around into a whole new article and then that gets sensationalised again. Oh my God, well, I did, I did an interview the other day. I'm doing this manifesting course called Manifest That Shit. And this wonderful journalist came to me and said, I, I'm, I really want to know about it. Can we do a really nice big article? It's like, well, that's fantastic because we're just about to launch. It was great, great timing. Anyway, so we did this. She did, I said, only if I can have a read back because this is a really important subject to me. So she read it back to me. I absolutely loved it. The title, obviously the only thing I didn't ask was what's the title of the piece? The title was 
my perfect life. Oh my God, that's so smug and awful. And then there's a picture of me and my boyfriend and it said my perfect partner. It sounds so smug. So even though I love the article, the article was really true to how I feel about it. Um, the, the, the title of the piece made me look like such a twat. And I was like, here we go. If you dance with the media, you have to, you have to accept that. No, I wanted that article out because I wanted lots of people to sign up to the course because I really believe that it can change people's lives. But it is quite painful to see a big article in a paper that starts with my perfect life. Oh my God. And that's the thing. So for you, you've got that negative stigma connotation attached to the word perfect because you're making <laughs> out that you're, you've got an inflamed ego in it. But what about the introverted side of you? Did, that, did you go hold on a minute, but I'm not perfect, and start getting insecurities in your head of why am I yes. not perfect now? Because what is perfection? And if I've reached that and I don't feel it, am I not growing any more than I should be growing? So it's an easy yeah, word I mean, to throw away. What, just, what do you think about the word perfect? Do you th is that what happens with you? Do you find that you then go down, you go, well, why am I not perfect? And I'm 40. And like, how, how old are you, Johnny? You're not 40. You're much younger than me. 28. Yeah, exactly. So you're not in the, you're not in the um, area yet of where you're, because I tell you, when someone told me this, and that's really true, they were like, when you turn 40, something happens to you, and there's a real moment of reflection. And I do think it's, it's not because we're halfway through life, but we're not that far. I mean, I hope to live to 150, so I'm way off it. But you really reflect on what you've done, your the actions, your consequences. Am I where I need to be? You know, I, I, have I hit some goals am i turning into the woman i want to be have i acquired some wisdom have i acquired balance um have i got strong friendships you re when i turned 40 something I, I reflected very intensely and i realized and i think we all know this there is no such thing as perfect but i at the same time i do know the state of mind that i feel the happiest in so my goal now is to maintain a good state of mind for as long as possible for as many days as possible and where it when I when I get thrown off balance someone says something that upsets me how do I how do I get back to that peaceful happy frame of mind the quickest so that I can be as happy now it doesn't mean diamond rings and Lamborghinis although look, look people can't see this but I'll show it to you on zoom this is the car that I really would like so I have it someone actually gave this to me and I have it and I look at it. So that's manifesting in action. So there are still things I want. There are still things I want to achieve. But really for me, perfection is feeling grateful for everything that you currently have. Feeling peaceful in yourself. But still having excitement and goals for the future. If I can do that, that's pretty bloody perfect. That's <laughs> perfect for me. This is the problem though, and you know, it's great that you've got that, and it's great you've got something to work towards, but I think we're so built in now, and again, I blame the past decade on social media with the fact that we've chased these compliments, and we've always grown up with compliments. Now we're chasing the lights, and now we're doing everything in our power to be perfect role models for Instagram, <laughs> for Twitter, for Facebook, that we don't know what perfection is, and so we're always working towards something to be the best version of ourselves, but the best version of ourselves for everyone else rather than us. And my, my dad, <laughs> yeah. every time I speak to him, will go, best son, best son, best son. I'm like, hold on a minute. It's now got to that point. I'm like, but I'm not <laughs> the best son. I'm your only son. It doesn't mean I'm the best son. Yes. Because you've basically told me I can't do anything more for you. You've, yes. you've set that bar and I've now hit that bar and that's it. Finite. And it's taken me a while to learn that I'm not perfect. And as much as I try and overcompensate and as much as I try and be the best version of myself and be a giver and give everyone what they need at the detriment of me. If you upset me, it's fine. I'm over it. Come, come and hurt me more. Come, come, come. Yes, I'll let you yes. Because I'm trying to be this ideal perfect. And I think the word perfection is such, again, is a negative word. And I think mm. we're not there yet. We're not seeing it as a negative word. Anxiety at the moment is seen as one of the best words to use. Oh yes, I've got anxiety. Go me, go me. And <laughs> We're wearing that with a badge of honour, whereas perfection is like seen as a, it should be seen as a dirty word, and yet we're, yeah. we're, it's somewhere lost in that mind at the moment. Yeah, I agree. And 
I agree. I think social media has massively contributed towards that. And the obsession with celebrity culture, there's almost a feeling of if people aren't talking about you or if what you're doing isn't in the papers or on screen, then it's not important. That's so toxic. Oh, if I'm doing something and it's amazing and I haven't posted a beautiful picture on Instagram, it's not of value. And that is that is like a mind worm that we've all, well, many of us have caught. And I've been guilty of it. I've had, you know, if I go on a beautiful boat trip with my boyfriend and we laugh and we have a lovely time, I, I feel a real pressure to tell people about it and to make sure everybody knows I had this beautiful time. I catch myself doing it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's take that and let's put that away because the only person who's living my life is me. I do not owe other people my life. I do not owe other people. And, and other people knowing that I've had a beautiful day in no way changes my life. So put that away because it can be really destructive. Our lives are short and beautiful. The only thing that's really important is that we are asking ourselves on a daily basis, am I all right? How am how are the people around me without putting pressure on ourselves to be this perfect person, but just, do I feel peaceful? Am I going in the right direction for me? That's it. But it's coming back to yourself every time, not being selfish, obviously looking after people and thinking, other pe thinking about other people is really important, but it doesn't matter what other people think. That's one of the reasons I think everyone loves Catherine Ryan so much because she's one of the few voices at the moment. He's just very unapologetic. I can't imagine, I'm such an apologetic person. I just, you know, I mind too much about upsetting people that I, f I find her really intriguing because she says things and she knows that some people are going to take offense. I mean, I, her podcast is one of my favorite podcasts. It's so brilliant. And I really learned from her. I'm like, okay, how do you say things and you're true to yourself and you just stand by them? You live a very, she lives a very authentic life and it's very attractive. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And this is the interesting thing because what happens if there was no such thing as a photograph. So you having an amazing trip on a boat or going out for dinner and being able to take that photograph and share that. What if photos didn't exist and it was all about words? Because we'll come to this again in a sec, but manifesting and gratitude and writing down for you the five things you're grateful for today, that's a relationship between you and the piece of paper with the words written down on it. If you'd had that amazing conversation and you, let, again, you're on that boat. Let's use that example. You're on the boat, you have an yeah. amazing time. You can't put a photo to it, so it's a few words. 
and only you and your boyfriend can share that experience and talk about it. No one's going to like a big essay that you've written about it. <laughs> so suddenly you've gone, I don't need to put this out on social media because that communication is amazing. And it's the same reason why we've always had over the years, don't go, and this is what I love. If I go to the O2 Arena for a concert and I've seen Westlife there, I'll take that, I will video, 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 video. In the Royal Albert Hall, you're not allowed to take a video. Are you not? Banned. No, they will ban you mm. and they will, um, they will take, keep telling you to take that. I've been to the Royal Albert Hall to three different performances and every single time I've not allowed our phones and I've enjoyed the experience a million times better. Wow. A million times. Because wow. the person I've gone with, we've been able to talk about it. The people around us, we can talk about it, but no one else is going to know about it. Take one photo at the end, sneakily, yeah. to show, you know, showcase <laughs> it and do a big post yeah. about it. But in that moment, that moment is now something that we've got together. It's a connection that only yes. we're going to understand. And that comes back to love language. It comes back to words of affirmation versus acts of service. The acts of service that oh, I'm filming this concert because I want you to be, feel like you're part of it. No, this is about me and you now. Yes, that, that's really interesting that you mentioned service. So I think I've realised that I function in a way of in, in two different energies. So I have, I come from ego or I come from acts of service. And I think ego is fine sometimes. I'm not saying you should be totally without ego, although I know that some people at Eckhart Tolle is like, get rid of it completely. But I think we're not like, let's just be human beings, okay? Sometimes I post things and I just know that I look great and I know the outfit's great and I just post it because I want people to think that I'm great because my ego needs stroking. And okay, and I, and I when I'm doing it, I'm like, okay, so that's just an ego boost. And also people love clothes and fashion. It's really fun. There's also things that I do that are acts of service and that comes from a desire to want my life to have meaning, to help other people, to fulfill my purpose, so those are the two different energies that I think most of us run on, the ego and then a service, a heart of service. And I think when you're posting, it's trying to find the balance. And only you know, when you're, when you're putting yourself out into the world, it's only you know what energy you're coming from, whether you're just want everyone to think I'm great. And I think sometimes the hunger for fame, well, the, the hunger for fame comes through that, comes through ego. It's wanting your life wanting everyone to know you and think you're amazing and, and that can be quite frantic and it can be very stressful and it can be very addictive and very seductive but then there's also your life can have purpose meaning and fulfillment from being from being a servant from doing things out of wanting to be of service to others and the more I shift into that energy the more I think how can I be useful to others what do I know that I can pass on to others how can I help other people the happier I am the more at peace I am the more the more I look forward to waking up every day so yeah I think that when you're out when I'm out and about on the boat with my boyfriend and I just want to post Am I posting because I want everyone to know where to go for the boat trip or am I wanting everyone to see my lovely life for one day and then I go home and the cat's on a dump on the floor? Like, I don't post that, do I? <laughs> Celebrity world. Celebrity world. I, I want to talk about your projects in a sec, but I, I promise you we will talk about your projects. I just, I, want to go back, I just want to go back to your ego for a second. I want to yeah. feed... No, I'm not going to feed your ego. I want you <laughs> Please to do. This is feeding my ego. We, you, you know you're amazing. I've told you this for years and years and years. Um, but... With your ego comes strengths and comes weaknesses. And so you've done so much self-development in the past 15 years about yourself. What have you learned about yourself? And can you now categorize what your strengths and what your weaknesses are as a person? Because I think it's really hard to come up with your strengths. But I also yeah. think it's really hard to come up with your weaknesses. Yeah. I used to think my weakness was being oversensitive so i used to say that i was oversensitive and i now don't use that phrase anymore i've really i I've, i had therapy um i mean i stopped it about a year ago but i had like a good solid like six years of therapy i went in for one thing and i actually ended up by talking about something completely different it was really eye-opening so i used to say i'm oversensitive i now call myself a highly sensitive person and i now realize that that's an, a super empath i remember saying to my therapist once I just wish I could turn myself down. I wish I could turn myself off. I wish I didn't feel other people's energies. I wish I didn't feel so much. And she said, well, that's never gonna happen. So you now need to appreciate 
your powers, your strengths, and you need to learn how to manage them. So the work that I've done mostly over the last 10 years, what I've learned recently is how to protect myself from feeling absolutely destroyed by something that really I shouldn't be. Or when I go into an atmosphere that's very toxic and very unhappy, it's how to protect myself from that, how not to absorb that energy. Because, you know, it can be such a joy. Like I can really feel somebody's pain and I can really feel somebody's joy and that's a beautiful thing and the I suppose the joy of the last 10 years has been enjoying the fun bit and controlling the bad bit so that's those are my superpowers I think I think therapy is an amazing thing to be able to do god it's amazing but there's a hurdle your first hurdle is admitting you need help the second hurdle is actually getting the help the third hurdle is actually attending that session. And then you can speak and that's fine. And yes. you, you've literally got verbal diarrhea and you're like, oh, oh my God, the hardest now. thing can is get, stop talking. Get, I know. Do you know what? You've absolutely hit the nail on the head. Sometimes the hardest thing is going there. Because also sometimes I remember with some of the sessions, I was like, I feel fine. I feel great. Like, I really can't be bothered with this today. I just want to get on with my day. I want to go to the gym. I want to see my friends. I want to get on with my work. But no matter what, every single time, I think, that was when I had the best sessions because I didn't go there with a specific agenda. Because if I went there and said, right, um, I saw a member of my family this weekend and it really, really upset me. And then we'd, we'd talk about that. Whereas when I would sit down, I'd say to her, I feel fine. I don't really have, well, because I had no set agenda, we went so deep. We went so balls deep because I would discover something that I hadn't been planning on talking about. And that's when I had my, some of my most revelatory sessions. It really changed my life therapy. I mean, my therapy bill was over 300 pounds a month. And that is, is rents for some people. I mean, that's, I don't think it's expensive. Expensive isn't the word I would use because it's value for money. So she was the right price for her service. She was, and she was amazing. First therapist I went to was fucking awful and she made and I cried every time I left there whereas my therapist now she's brilliant because you're supposed to bring someone into land at the end of the session you shouldn't be letting someone out into the wild mid trauma memory but I mean with my first therapist I'd sit in my car and 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 bore my eyes out whereas with my current therapist there's such resolution at the end of every there's resolution and calm and learning and I always leave there writing notes furiously which is kind of what you should do it should be revelatory not traumatic but it is that's a huge cost for most people and I was lucky at the time I was working enough that I could cover it and I really needed it like my father was extremely unwell and I got a divorce at the same time and I just felt it was extremely distressing so I needed it but I I mean one of the reasons I stopped was because I was buying a house (laughs) so I was like kind of need furniture then what happens (laughs) do you feel like you've gone out in the wild then that you've stopped this therapy because again, and I know you're not saying it's expensive, but it's still a financial cost. So was it that the value of therapy outweighed the cost? Or is it, it was more that I felt, I've done it enough, I can kind of work on myself now? I feel like I could do, because I haven't had therapy now for over a year, well, maybe a year and a half. I could probably do with just going to have a check-in because I felt like I made so much progress. I don't want to miss, I don't want to, I just want to go for a checkup, even though I feel fine it just did so much for me but yes I felt like I'd dealt with some really some issues that I had I was starting to feel really good about them I was starting to be able to talk about them really openly I had new language for them language is a huge thing that's one of the things that therapy gives you it gives you new language to talk about how you feel yeah I felt like I'd, I'd made enough progress for me to kind of stop for a bit I don't think you know for me therapy isn't something you do every single week for the rest of your life I've had a break from it and it is, you know, that's quite a big chunk of your income. A therapist is trained to listen to the undercurrent of what you're saying. They are watching your body language. They're wholly focused and, ev- and they're like a duck. On the surface, it's really calm, but underneath they are paddling. They are thinking like, uh, they are thinking so hard about what's really going on and what you're really saying. I mean, she would nail me to the wall when I was talking shit, but not in a mean way, but she would be like, just going to ask you to 
think about your phrasing there. And I would think about it. And she'd also make me, sometimes if I go in and I've got a lot of energy and I'm kind of thinking about a hundred things, she'd bring me down first. She'd bring me back into the room. She would help me to connect with myself so that I wasn't talking shit. And that is a thing that you cannot expect of your friends. That's too much to expect of your friends to give you that much focus and work. That is why therapy is like gold dust. I wish there was more available on the NHS. Oh, we, are, we live in an amazing country where we have access to the NHS. It's luxury for, in, in comparison to how most people experience life, we have a luxury. We have luxury with the NHS. I mean, in a perfect world where there was enough money and resources, I would say that every person should be offered a therapy session once a month. I wonder how many, um, how many operations or how much, I wonder how that would affect people's general life. I think it would be pretty amazing because it's just, it's changed my life. I, I didn't realize how much I suffered. I know anxiety is used a lot, so I don't want to use it because I, I don't have anxiety. I'm a highly sensitive person and I feel things very intensely. Um, it's completely changed my life really. It's, I sleep better, which means I get ill less. Um, I drink less. I think I was self-medicating with alcohol. I think I was trying not to feel feelings because I just couldn't cope with how acute they were. Um, my boyfriend is not a highly sensitive person. He's neutral and a lovely person and a gorgeous person, but he doesn't seem to me to be affected by things in the same way. And so it's been interesting living with him. And I don't know, it's really changed my life. It's just made me calmer, happier in so many ways. I wonder how, if I hadn't had therapy, I kind of wonder who I'd be right now. I don't really know. I think I'd be drinking a lot more. I think I'd, I think I'd be probably quite unwell. So I, it's really, it's a shame it's such a luxury because for me it was, yeah, really life-changing. Well, if you think about uh, your body, okay, so after your head, you've got your chest and you'll go to the gym for that and you'll work out, even if it's going on a run <laughs> or even going on a walk, you've done that. Lower down your body, you'll take a smear test each year and, yeah. you know, we'll give a promotion to the Eva pill, which you're an ambassador for. And <laughs> Thank you for the yeah. shout out. <laughs> well, there you go. There's your credit for the month. Um, and then, <laughs> but then you've got your head and so you've worked on all your body but not your head. It doesn't make yeah. sense, does it? That you've done all this no. work, you've gone to these levels, but then you've not done that work for yourself. I completely agree with you. Having one mental health check in a year with someone who doesn't know you, for you to just say how your mm. year has gone for a reflection. I write a letter to myself every New Year's Eve. New Year's do Eve, you? I do two things. I write a letter to myself, and it, actually this is a really interesting conversation. I write a letter to myself about how my year's gone, what I want to achieve, what I have achieved. What I then do, is I voice note all my friends, every single friend. I've got a list of friends, okay? I know wow. this is really sad, but I have lists That's of friends. That's not, I love this. I've got a list of who my actual friends are. The real, my real friends, the ones yeah. I tell them everything. Foundation. So those 20 foundation friends, I voice note each one of them and I tell them what they've meant to me this year and how proud I am of them. Some of them will be like, this is so kind, this is amazing, thank you to you for doing this. And again, coming back to love languages, because everything does go back to love languages, people don't understand how to relate to that. And so when you've set that boundary and you've gone, this is our friendship, they don't know how to deal with that. And like you said, with your boundary of your boyfriend and that you're really highly sensitive, it's very easy to be ticked off and get in that toxic friendship because they are not compatible with that love language of words of affirmation that you are. And going all the way back to the beginning of the conversation when you said you've got all these friends and they all want you, but you don't really want them because you're in that relaxing state of mind. How have you managed to not get in that toxic friendship by recessing the boundaries where they're not knowing where you are mentally? I think that's a really, really interesting point. And I think that's a real work in progress for me, if I'm honest, because I've only just really started to learn about how I function in the last five years. And so I'm now applying lots of those boundaries, even though that's a real buzzword at the moment. I'm now applying what I've known, what I know to my real life. And I've noticed that 
there are lots of friends where I really curtail what I say. I'm really careful about what I say. I'm really careful about how I say it to them. I'm really aware that they won't be able to cope with the, my, my, my real self. Not my foundation gang, because they've known me since I was 10 and the cat's out the bag with that lot. But there are some friends that I wouldn't talk about God with because I know that they would think I was really crazy. And I've realized that that's not, that's not an authentic relationship. I'm really pretending to be someone I'm not. It's probably not a good idea for me to be investing a lot of my time in somebody that I can't really talk to about the important things in my life, the things I find really interesting. I find people, spirituality, transformation, why people are doing what they're doing, that's the core of me. That's the, those are the things I'm really excited about. And if I can't talk about those things with a friend, then I'm not sure, is it really a friendship? Or am I just kind of, do I just kind of see that person because I'm worried that they'll be cross with me if I don't? Those are the friendships that probably you need to set aside, I think. And those, it's, it's a legacy of having that friendship that why would you diminish it now if you've been friends for so long yet they're not bringing to you what you actually need from them. And I'm not giving them authenticity. I do have some friends that I just have an absolute bloody laugh with and I don't need to sit down and have a philosophical chat. And those are beautiful, valuable, wonderful friendships. But there are others where I do look at, I mean, not that many to be honest with you, but there's some where I think, what are we doing? This is such a waste of time. And I think, you know, it's a two-way street. I often think if you're thinking that, they're thinking that as well. And that's why it's better to go for dinner with a book over a friend, because actually you have a better experience. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about yeah. the legacy. You've started this new legacy by starting a new manifesting course. Again, which, which is really interesting with me, is the fact that you believe in a God, and you believe in that law of attraction, because I do as well. I, I believe in a Jewish God, uh, Hashem, and like you said, you can't explain it, because I don't know if I'd want to talk negative about it, because I'd be scared what happens. If I said yes, there was no God, I'd be like, well, hold on. So I'm praying for two things. I'm praying for the law of attraction and I'm praying to the Jewish religion. Now let's talk about the law of attraction and manifesting those ideas. And if you've read Rhonda Burns' Secret, you'll have an inkling about that. If you've read Jay Shetty's Think Like a Monk, you'll have an inkling about that. How do you manifest? What's your way of doing it? So this is what we talk about in the course. And um, there's lots of things that can really obstruct how you attract so we talk in the course we talk about the self-limiting beliefs so how you obstruct yourself from thinking about and then attracting what you really want so everything has a three-part everything in our life is a three-part process everything everything we think it we say it we do it. Sometimes we don't say it. Sometimes we just think it and do it. But you think it first. I want, I want a coffee. I'll go get a coffee. From who is around you, your friends, your job, you thought it and you did it. So a lot of people live by just doing things because we're told, our society is told that we're in action. You need to take action. Just do it. Nike, just do it. Just do it, do it, do it. The, for me, manifesting is saying stop stop take some time to work out what you're thinking but that is a very big ask for lots of people you're asking people to face themselves to face the lack of confidence to face lack of self-belief so in the course we go through that and we smash those on the head we smash them so that people start to feel like they deserve good things that they are able to access things they didn't think they were able to access, but that's, it's very, it's a big ship to turn around when someone doesn't believe in themselves. So the course takes you through, it's a seven week course that takes you by the hand. So manifesting for me is having the confidence and giving yourself the time to sit and think about what you really want. And if you create a good space, if you find peacefulness, so there's a, in yoga, there's a thing called sadhana. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I've never heard actually anyone say it out loud. I've just read it. So sadhana is how it's spelled. Um, is when you create a beautiful space for yourself. So you light a candle, you do some stretching, you do some meditating, you make yourself a lovely cup of tea, you put some lovely smells on, you put some music on, you make this beautiful space for yourself and then you journal so that you feel at peace. That's when you should manifest, I think, because that's when you can listen to your inner voice. You can communicate with your true self. 
in the wide world, we're so distracted by people and jobs and insecurity and money and children that it's very difficult to find space to ask yourself what you really want out of life and then to manifest it. Some people think manifesting is just writing things down means that you're more likely to get it done. But to other people, and me included, there's an external source that is part of it. So you're co-creating with an external source. And by writing it down, you commit to it. Well, they talk about, and Rhonda Byrne talked about it in The Secret, that you can be writing it down, but also you should be picturing it. So you should be picturing yes. a cheque or write a cheque to yourself for a million pounds, put it in your wallet and keep looking at it, keep looking at it. Are we not using manifestation as a defence mechanism because we should be able to go and achieve that and yet we're relying on the law of attraction to bring it to us? I think that so many people limit themselves so intensely that in a way, I don't think that's something most people need to worry about because most people don't think that they deserve good things and they don't think that they're worthy of those good things. And they think they're for other people, they're for rich people, they're for posh people. And that's not always true. Obviously, I can't say something like, I want a million pounds tomorrow. These things take time and there's a process. But if your heart, if your inner self is saying, I want to learn how to sail a boat, you write that shit down, you visualize it, you will start making moves towards realizing that dream. You will start to talk about it with people. Then someone will be like, oh, I've got a boat. Do you want to come and spend the weekend with me? Someone else will be like, oh, my cousin runs a boating course. Do you want to go on there? I'm sure they'll do your mate's race. By, by, by starting off by writing it down and visualizing it, you make shit happen. And sometimes you know, people think, oh, it's just, that's just coincidence. And I believe that there's something else that happens in that process. But it's really just starting it. It's starting it. And it's not just stuff. It's, it's, there's three things I think that you can manifest. Who you are as a person, your experiences, and what you have. So that's be, do, have. So you can say, I am no longer intimidated by men in meetings. I am free from intimidation. I am no longer fearful of this person. I am free from fearing this person. So it's, it's really powerful, not just by going, oh, I, I want a house in France, if that's what you really want. But it's really freeing as well. But the problem is, is that you do this every day and you write five things. So I, I would do, right, um, I'm on a walk today. I do the same walk every single day for two hours in the morning. I've seen something different each day. And it will be things like a cone on the floor or a tyre or a sofa <laughs> that gets, you know how you get a sofa in a random estate just plopped there one day and then it goes the next day. <laughs> And so you're looking for those different features. So you're building up a list of like five things. And like you said, I can feel that I can be in a room full of men. You are one lucky girl. Um, but what <laughs> happens that you've done that today and then it gets to tomorrow and you need five more things. And you're like, well, hold on, I've already used that one. So I need something new, but I haven't got anything new to add. But I can't <laughs> copy and paste what I did yesterday because- Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You totally can. I mean, I, I, I as you can start, um, I, grew up feeling very intimidated of men and I noticed that in a lot of meetings in a commission of meetings and pitching meetings I felt fucking scared um and that is a work in progress those things do not just change overnight so let's say I'm in the morning and I don't manifest every day because I'm not disciplined enough but if I am if I am writing I will write I have a productive energetic meeting I am not intimidated. Now I might have another meeting tomorrow and those things apply exactly in the same way and I will write them exactly the same again because you're not suddenly just, I probably have set myself, I've committed to myself that I won't be intimidated for that day, but I might wake up tomorrow and feel like, oh, I'm not worthy again. So you do need to readdress those things constantly, I think. And what happens if you can't read your handwriting? Because <laughs> I can't read my handwriting and I look back and I go, I have no idea what that scribble says. Can you type it out? Because there's something about putting pen to paper, which is really powerful. But if you can't, if you can't write like me, can you type it out? Yeah, I think that's, it's really about forming a full sentence. That's what I think. I mean, writing is powerful. I don't know why, but it just is. But writing, typing it on, it's about forming a thought that is the beginning, the middle and the end. Because often with our thoughts, they're so sporadic and they can be so scatty and we might go, oh, I wanna I just, uh, you know, have this thought, but it's not formed. When you write a sentence that has a narrative, if you're writing it down, you really mean it. 
you don't write down, you don't take the time to write down something you don't really feel. So like I could say, oh, I want seven houses in the south of France. But I don't, even though I know that that is lucrative and I, that's no passion of mine. I have no passion for that. So I would never bother writing it down. If you are writing it down on your manifesting list, it's because it makes you feel excited. It makes you feel joy. That's why writing down is important. Joy, but also closure, I think, as well. It gives you that closure to past problems. And like you said, it makes you get over that hurdle to give you that closure that it's happened. Because let's say you met a commissioning person 20 years ago. They're never going to come back to you and go, look, I'm really sorry I treated you like that. But you can manifest that closure to go, look, you intimidated me at the time. You thought that there was a male presenter who could have done a better job than me. I'm going to have that closure. But also closure to the future, like having... um, you don't necessarily need a house in France, but let's say you're looking for your partner still. You've got that closure that you know it's going to happen. That you don't have to question yourself. You don't yeah. need to be searching and going on the apps and going, why is more people coming up? I need to download the next app. Because you can very easily have 10 different dating apps that all do the exact same thing, with the exact same algorithms on your phone. You can be going through them and nothing's happening. Yet you can manifest that you have that closure that it will happen. And that's absolutely fine. It's a very peaceful existence since, I mean, manifesting has been a very big source of my peacefulness. Uh, It's made me realize what I want. And that's a huge, that's a, I mean, one of, you know, some of the feedback we've been getting from um, people doing our course is that they love that they've now figured out what they want. And that has made them feel extremely content and peaceful. It's like, okay, I've got a plan. You get in your car and start driving and you don't know where you're going. Where the, where are you going to end up? Who knows? And that's how most people live their life. If you have taken the time to think, what do I want to do today? Where do I want to go? There is a bit of an end. You need to spend a bit. That's quite, it can be quite tiring to make a plan, to make a roadmap of your life. But my God, do things start to happen when you do? 100%. And so talking about roadmaps, I'm going to roadmap from manifesting into the TV world and come full circle because you are on TV, on Channel 5, with 10 years younger in 10 days. So can we plug the show, please? And then I want to dissect that really quickly as well. Um, I love the show so much. The show is about giving people their pride back. It's about reminding people who they are. It's not about changing people. It's not about giving people gigantic, ridiculous lips and huge boobs and turning them into someone they're not. It's about people who used to have a lust for life and going out, they used to go out and have lots of fun. But over the years, they've poured so much of themselves into other people. We get a lot of carers. We get a lot of nurses, single mums, single dads, um, people who have had no time for themselves because they've been looking after other people. And then they've hit about 50, 60, and they've realized that they, you know, their kids have grown up or they're sick and tired of not living a vibrant life. That's when they come to us and they say, please help me. And we just inject them with confidence and we just remind them how to look after themselves. And we just watch them fly and it's wicked. Sherry Healy, 10 years younger in 10 days on Channel 5, inside the factory on BBC2 and manifest that shit, the course that you need to all go and do. <laughs> that basically is the smallest glimpse into the conversations that me and Sherry have. We could talk for hours. She's the most amazing person. I have so much love for her. Thank you so much for listening to Skilly and Skip. If you've liked what you heard, please do like and share the podcast, Skilly and Skip podcast, where you can find me and at Johnny Seifert. Please do share it. Tell me you've listened to it. Go on Apple, give it a five-star rating and leave a review. It is the best episode I've ever recorded, and I can't thank you enough for staying with me all the way to the end. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.